Today, I discuss the Gilroy Garlic Festival, El Paso and Dayton shootings, Trump and the NRA, and I sit down and have a conversation with one of the prominent members of the 2A liberal subreddit who happens to be a gay Second Amendment advocate. This and more, coming right at you. The Second Amendment Liberal Podcast. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Second Amendment Liberal Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. In the weeks since the last episode, there have unfortunately been a spate of shootings. The three highest profile were the shootings that occurred at the Gilroy Garlic Festival, El Paso, and Dayton. Predictably, in the aftermath of these attacks, Democrats and people on the left in general are calling for more restrictions on firearms and voicing support for burdensome, nonsensical, and unconstitutional legislation. There are no calls to actually address or solve the root of the issue, which stems from various socioeconomic failings which we have neglected to repair for decades. Some Republicans are resorting to the ridiculous tactic of blaming video games. Video games don't cause violence, and neither do firearms. The murderer at the Garlic Festival used an AK-based semi-automatic rifle, taking some heat away from AR-15s in the minds of those who knew nothing about firearms and redirecting it towards semi-automatic firearms in general. The scumbag who shot people in the Walmart in El Paso also used an AK, giving more allowance for anti-gunners to demonize the platform. The icing on the shit cake, as it were, is the killer in Dayton used an AR pistol equipped with a brace, calling both AR pistols and braces into question by anti-gunners who are hearing about these things for the first time. In much the same fashion, they were scared into believing bump stocks turned semi-automatic rifles into machine guns in the aftermath of the Las Vegas shooting. It's amazing to me how these people will never fail to behave as if they are extremely knowledgeable experts after watching CNN lie to them and exaggerate about the capabilities of such weapons and accessories. The media is once again using the ignorance and fear of the public in a weaponized fashion to attack and reduce our constitutional freedoms. Trump is unsurprisingly being of no help as he came out in support of finding a gun control-based solution with the help of the NRA, in the same fashion that he questionably banned bump stocks by executive order with the full blessing of the NRA. For those not in the know, the NRA is in turmoil as of late. The membership is fed up with their lack of action taking on gun control across this country and the spending habits of Wayne LaPierre in the form of misappropriating membership dues to purchase luxury goods and trips around the world. The media has spinned this situation to have you think they've been weakened due to the membership supporting gun control, but the exact opposite is true. The ranks of organizations like the GOA have swelled, and they are much, much more hardcore and passionate about protecting our rights than the NRA ever was. If you haven't heard of the Gun Owners of America, mark my words, you will soon. Republicans all over the place, even the likes of Dan Crenshaw and Mitch McConnell, are starting to voice support for red flag laws, which are ridiculously unconstitutional, as they bypass due process. If you don't know, 
red flag laws in their current proposed form will allow damn near anyone to report a potentially violent individual and have their firearms seized upon approval by a judge in a secret court proceeding unbeknownst to the target individual. The person who has their firearms seized will essentially have to prove their innocence, which is the complete opposite of how the justice system is supposed to work. The onus is on the government to prove your guilt, not the other way around. Furthermore, how can you punish someone before a crime has even been committed? This is literally pre-crime, straight from the film Minority Report. Additionally, anyone, ranging from an upset ex-romantic partner, co-workers, or anyone in between, are allowed to report you, and there are no proposed punishments to prevent abuse. This will be abused. Trump even referred to red flag laws as being rapid due process. If that's not an Orwellian phrase, I don't know what is. Republican voters are feeling betrayed, but I ask them, why are you surprised? Neither Democrats nor Republicans have our best interests in mind. In what way does a well-armed, well-educated, well-read, well-aware, and ever-vigilant populace benefit them? It doesn't. Today I'm bringing on my friend Shane. He's a gay man who happens to be a Second Amendment supporter. He has very interesting thoughts that might deviate him from the norm in the minds of most people. So give him a listen, and I think you will be impressed by what he has to say. Hey, Razor. How's it going? It's going all right. How you doing, man? Good. I'm uh, happy you had me on today. I'm interested and excited to talk about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get right into it. So who Fantastic. are you and uh, where are you from? Hi, I'm Shane. I'm from Kansas City. I'm a gay guy who uh, is a fucking gun fanatic. So I know that has tripped a lot of people up. They just can't even imagine that. So <laughs> explain how you got into firearms. As simple as anybody else really does. Father got me into it really early on. I was shooting dart guns in the basement at four, got me Nerf guns, and you just went up the ladder of you know, progressive lethality as you get older, learning about all the stuff, gun safety, all that. So just elaborate a little bit on the uh, your, the current political climate and where you sit, because I would say you're not very, quote-unquote, conventional for what people perceive as a gay person should be. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think there's a bit of misconception here and there about it. There's really the whole thing about, you know, you only see the worst examples out of minority groups really pop up here and that. Well, rather, they get the most media attention. As far as I know from the people I know in the gay community is most people just kind of mind themselves and don't bring up the whole gay thing when it's, you know, not brought up to them, really. And it it really depends on your circles, definitely on uh, definitely in big cities you'll find concentrations of people who will be a lot more effeminate and out about it. And it also comes up a lot. Uh, We're now in July, but it comes out a lot more in pride month in June where people feel a lot more expressive about it. You know how there's the, the group mentality of, you know, wanting to be able to express yourself more when you got the protection of people like you around you really just for me is that I've never really been about that kind of lifestyle, the type that, uh, you know, like that kind of stuff. I hold generally pretty masculine interests, so it, you know, it just never comes up for me. So let, let's establish this now. Are, are you a liberal? Do you define yourself more libertarian? Are you more of a conservative? What exactly are you? 
if someone made me choose, I'd, I'd go down between liberal and libertarian, a libertarian, but uh, I, I definitely consider myself a liberal as opposed to your traditional, uh, you know, the Marxist in the dichotomy between liberal and Marxist. I fully uh, accept the liberal side of things. Now, I do find that interesting because we, we've talked a couple times about this. You know, those gay pride uh, parades and things like that. <laughs> You've often expressed distaste. And, and wh- why is that? Yeah. I mean, you know, they have a, a huge thing you see about it. Again, I know it's the you see the worst examples of it. But often what's represented in gay pride parades is the sexual aspect of it. And people I've seen people argue this before is that you know, it's totally fine to walk around naked at gay pride parades because the city says you can do it. Well, I mean, you know, straight people don't go around doing that normally. They don't go around during parades, having sex with each other or being nudists, that kind of thing. And so it paints the entirety of us in a bad light where we're put off as these sexual deviants when there's some history to it and some reason for that, if we want to get into it of, of why it's portrayed like that. But, you know, it's, I think it's especially, in the current year, it's it's a bad look for us. So let, let's transition more onto our gun rights here for a second. Uh, sure. I always I make a habit of asking my guests this, and uh, because I think it's a very important question that politicians just refuse to answer, they skirt around it. So let's get straight to the truth here. The way you see it, what is the purpose of the Second Amendment? Yeah, so the Second Amendment has two main purposes for me. Is One is, of course, the defense against foreign enemies. And that is, you know, and, and many people, many military strategists and such will talk about how it's the, well, it, it makes the United States even more of an insurmountably difficult nation to invade. It adds to our strategic defense to an unknowable degree where you already have to cross the nation of a dozen different climates and Rocky mountains and all that sort of thing. And on top of that, you have to deal with somewhere between 50 and a hundred million gun owners. It is uh, it makes it that much more difficult if you ever even want to consider invading the U S and on the domestic front is that it is most simply the preservation of personal Liberty basically whatever that entails. So when, when you hear these politicians say things like, you know, the Second Amendment is about protecting hunting rifles or sport shooting or whatever, what is, what is your reaction to, to things like that? I mean, I don't care. It's all, it's all hobby stuff anyway. I mean, that's, it, it's completely should be left out of the Second Amendment consideration, and it's only there by association because it involves guns. You know, there's people hunt with other things. They hunt with spears. They hunt with bows and arrows and they trap it's all under the hunting banner but get uh, you know guns are just kind of there oh absolutely i agree with you so let's let's take on the gun rights angle as it relates to gay rights you often hear the phrase armed gays don't get bashed do you think that's an accurate assessment of the situation yeah i completely agree with that it's it's deterrence and many things and that Gay people, I'm fortunate enough to where I live, I don't have to deal with that type of systemic oppression so regularly. In fact, very rarely. It's just that, you know, if you have the ability to defend yourself with adequate means on you at all times, 
It opens up your ability to get into the social sphere as much as anybody else is for one thing and another thing to feel as safe as any other citizen does. It's, um, you know, being a minority of any stripe is puts you at risk. And it's just another way to ensure that you're on a level playing field with everybody else. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. So there is a narrative out there on the on the left, unfortunately, which, which you and I both identify as, that we would place ourselves on the left, that guns are somehow evil or bad or shouldn't belong in society. What do you think it is that causes the brains of so many people on the left to, shall I say, adopt that way of thinking? What gets people over to leftism? Well, I would say, what, what makes people on the left think that guns are bad? I mean, I think partly they feel powerless in the situation that would invoke them ever needing to have them, or they see the effects of guns happen on other people or even in their own life and conceive the notion of which you would even ever want to have one as not a part of not a part of society that should exist. And I understand the sympathies where people that will, um, you know, they'll do the March for our lives things about, you know, nobody wants kids to die at school. Nobody wants kids to die at all. And, you know, they look at guns as a vector for more children dying or children dying in more horrific ways, visceral ways and they don't see how guns fit into society at all or shouldn't fit into society. And so I think they go, they take a step in which you or I may see where we see things like, you know, guns for civilian ownership make the whole reality of, well, people may get violent at some time, at some point, or you may have to be in a situation where you need to defend yourself in life and recognize that reality as one that will in a all or go away and people like that will take a step further and say that well guns just shouldn't exist and by extension the things that would necessitate guns existing shouldn't exist either therefore you shouldn't have guns yeah I, i definitely feel like it's a bit of a cart before the horse kind of thing where you know they they look at the problems that come up because of guns and immediately go to say like, well, you know, guns are tangible objects as opposed to societal generational issues and things will get better marginally if we get rid of the guns. That's, that's basically how I see it. I think you're pretty accurate. I, I can't disagree. So when you see groups like gays against guns speaking out against our rights, how does that make you feel? There's a few reasons why I hold sympathies for them. It's because there's a few things that, like I had mentioned, there's there's ways at which they would get there, where a, a pretty common one you might see in the news these days is how the rates at which uh, transgender sex workers or transgender people that go to nightclubs and try to hook up with people are killed uh, you know, after they are found out, or I, I'm not sure of the politically correct term for found out there, but... They are, uh, they're, they're revealed in one way or another, and they are retaliated against for it. And there's systemic case law precedent for how 
for how those people will be killed and the killers will have legal defense. They'll, they'll say that I was, I, I had my masculinity shocked or I had my identity shocked and it was a crime of passion and judges will grant leniency on that or they'll drop the chart or the DA will drop the charges, that kind of thing. And they'll protest things like that. And I think that's fair enough to say that, or rather, I think I should say, I think there's an argument to be made there. That's fair. But I don't believe that it, I obviously just don't believe that it takes the, uh, you know, it, it, it should take away the right of the individual to protect themselves, you know, just as much as, and of course there's choice involved where we're just as much as a person has the right to defend themselves in the same sense, a transgender sex worker has the same right to defend themselves during their line of work or someone who goes to nightclubs to hook up has just as much right to defend themselves in a situation like that. And, you know, if, if they don't want to incur that risk, then they don't have to incur that risk. And where gays against guns comes in is in groups like that is they'll say things like, well, you know, people shouldn't have to carry a gun on them everywhere. And yeah, people shouldn't have to at all. It should be their choice whether they want to or not. And living is a choice and existence and how you want to make of it is a choice. And that's risk mitigation that you have to go through life with. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think it is the responsibility and the duty of every responsible adult to take care of themselves. And a part of taking care of yourself is protecting yourself. And a firearm is just the best tool the, for the job. Do you, yeah, you, know I mean, what I mean? you, you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, and if you don't want to carry around a gun with you all the, all the time and take that risk of not needing it, if you have to, then sure. I mean, I do it all the time. I don't always carry it with me. I don't feel like it's, I, f- I feel like the risk of me needing a gun at any one instance is, for many occasions is so minute that I'm not going to deal with it. You know, it's extra weight on my hip. It's probably a bad habit for someone like me, but that's the choice I make. It definitely does boil down to individual choice. Now, personally, I don't, I don't not carry anywhere that I am legally able to. Yeah, but, I get uh, that. Let, let's, let's shift over to a topic that I have to ask everyone, considering the fact that uh, he is the current president. But what is your view on Donald Trump and what he has done or not done thus far? Uh, I mean, I never really supported him. I think like a lot of people my age and when it was happening, we all enjoyed the memes and, and the, the jokes and the, the laughs at the left's expense and that kind of thing. But I never... I never wanted him. I, I guess it's fair to say that nobody really wants any presidents that come up for vote these days. But I, I never wanted him, and he completely lost my respect and support of any amount when he came out and said that shit about you know take their guns, due process second. I think I think that's tantamount to just traitorous statements, especially on behalf of the U.S. president. So. Oh, I, I, I don't I don't believe there's any way he could possibly come back from that for me. I mean, and first that, then the bump stocks, now the suppressors. He, he wants to do away with suppressors. I mean, at this point, yeah, is there yeah. any room to claim that he's a pro-gun president? No, but I think he's a pretty standard. <laughs> and he's, he's like, a, as many people like to compare him to Reagan, he's very Reagan in that sense about gun rights. Either he just doesn't know better or he's just, you know, he's that... Uh, He's a Republican surrounded by Democrats kind of thing, how Reagan was. You know what? I think that's a pretty apt description, actually. Yes, 100%. I agree with that. So let's uh, let's move on to the NRA. What is your view on the NRA, and do you think they deserve as much heat as they've been getting? 
not something I've really ever concerned myself with. I know they have issues and as a result, I've never monetarily supported them and nor been a member of them. I'm never a fan of that type of lobbying structure of, of a organization. I understand its place in our Republic, but I don't care for it. I think a lot of the core issues is people will say things like the NRA isn't actually about supporting the interests of gun owners. It's about supporting the interests of domestic firearms producers, which very well may be true, but you know, there are some kickbacks for it to the average gun owner. And that's what we get. You know, I would say I, I actually wish that that were true because then what uh, what would the mechanism be to bring new products to us every year at Shot Show? I want I want to see that innovation yeah, in the industry. You know the whole uh, the European arms bans and the Russian ammo bans they they go through without a word from the NRA. So that's what happens. Yep. That's my that's my take on it anyway. Okay, well you know la- last time uh, I had Etta on here, I know you're familiar with him. Um, yeah. We spoke a lot about the race relations between uh, African-American and Korean-American communities. And I just want to talk a little bit about the relationship between the African-American communities and uh, the gay communities. And what's your what, what do you view the dynamic between them as? Is it hostile? Is it improving? Is it worsening? I mean, there's there's some tension there. I think there's there's a few unique issues to it as well, but... I think in the the intersectional 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 nature of uh, today's political climate, it's become more of a non-issue than other ever. I don't know if relations have necessarily improved, but I would say it's less important of an issue on the gay side of things than ever before. You know, sp- speaking of intersectionality, I, I do want your opinion on uh, what people commonly call SJWs. Do you think they're really your allies? Um, I mean, I'll take justice when it is justice, so to say, and I'll take it when people are actually going for individual liberties. But I mean, the whole, the whole of the intersectional SJW side of things has never been something that's really entertained me, I guess is the word I would use. I don't care for them so much. And I don't, I don't know, they fight their own fight. And it's unfortunate that Personally, I find that a lot of that crowd fervently goes after things I wish they wouldn't, as opposed to things I would. Well, I, th- I think this relates to recent events. Uh, there was that Antifa rally in uh, Portland, and that reporter, uh, I, f- I forget his name. Uh, Andy No. Yes, him. He's, he's a gay Asian immigrant, and yet he was beaten the beaten brutally in the streets by people who claim to be allies of such people. So I want to get your take on the far left, the current state of the far left, and how are they looking in your eyes? Are, are they looking worse, the same as the right? Or do you think there's still enough to differentiate to be able to make a choice of whose side you would support? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just an issue with tokenism. Like, the right will use Andy No being a gay immigrant of non-white status as their kickoff point for saying like, hey, we have these people on our side. How they'll look at Milo Milo Yiannopoulos. I forgot how to say his name. Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, Yiannopoulos. And, uh, you know, they'll say like, hey, this is a... 
this is a guy that totally supports the right. He's a he's a gay immigrant who is married to a black guy. That's that's totally what we want for our party. And it's just you know, it's just using people for their identity. And the left does it all the time and the right does it to a more annoying way, in my opinion. At least it's more of a pandering way, because they kind of know where they are on things. But you know, I, I think it's if you wanna break down the case of Andy No with what happened with him. I think it's just a good example of showing that you know people are only as useful as their identity when it doesn't conflict with their ideas. They basically want they want the most oppressed people to sit there and be quiet while the middle upper middle class white people do the talking. And I feel that's true on both sides. Now, speaking of uh, upper-class white people doing the talking, uh, let's talk about the Democrat candidates for the 2020 elections upcoming. Is there anyone you support, and is there anyone you find particularly egregious? I don't really find anyone on, on the Democrat stage appealing. I would love if the Republicans at least put up something and to, to have the debate at all, but I feel like that would probably just compromise Trump too much. To Well, I shouldn't say that. Not that I want him. It's just... I don't know. I, I I really hate to bring myself down to this level that I'd rather want Trump than any of the Democrats up on stage, but they just they seem to be going harder and harder left each election cycle for seemingly no reason because, I mean, it's Trump. You really just have to run up the middle and the election's yours. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get why gun control is even on the debate stage for the Democrats. I mean, you got... Eric Swalwell, who's, you know, the, the old Newcomb guy, and Cory Booker's the shit. And honestly, the only one that gives me, to, to give you a real answer, the only one that I really like is Tulsi Gabbard. And I only like her because of her foreign policy and stuff that I really agree with. The end of the regime change wars and that post-Cold War style of things. Well, she she also bothers me as well because she does support an assault weapons ban. So in I do. Opinion, I know. I, it does bother me a lot, but... It's unfortunately standard fare, but I like her ideas on foreign policy, and that's half the picture. So I've been hearing a lot, uh, especially from people on the left, surprisingly enough, that they would rather have Donald Trump for a second term than any of the Democrats currently running. Is that common in your life? Are you seeing this as well? I think, especially among the gay group, is that a lot of people are incredibly burnt out with Trump and they're burnt out with the rhetoric on the left. It's, I mean, the rhetoric from the Democrats that they put up, it's it's also fake to them. You know, my boyfriend, he's he's a pretty staunch Democrat, but I, I don't think he particularly cares much about any of them. I think he's trying to make up his mind. Now, what, do you, what do you feel about Andrew Yang? I was massively disappointed in him. I thought he had potential. I thought he was different enough to differentiate himself. And then he revealed his gun control platform, and it's the most draconian and fucked up of them all. So what is your view on Andrew Yang's views on um, automation and what to do in regards to paying people? Yeah, I mean, Andrew Yang is a character, and UBI is interesting, but I just, uh, you know, the whole automation thing is... It's it's a topic I, I don't want to speak on because I have very little knowledge of it. So I don't want to pine on it, really. And it's just, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Is UBI is interesting, 
I'd like some more people to weigh in on it and give their ideas on it, but I don't, uh, I don't believe I have the ability to opine on it. Okay, so so as long as we're on specific policies, let's, let's actually go through some specific gun control policies, and you let me know why you think they suck. Does that sound good? Sure. Universal background checks. How do you feel about that? De facto registry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, enough said on that one. Yeah, I mean, to give some more, to, to just say things about it, is that I think it's completely fine. Actually... What I think about it is that I think if I'm selling a gun, it behooves me to actually get a background check on the person I'm selling it to because the paper trail, you know, if they commit a crime with that gun, I don't want the cops coming to my door with the serial number because I was the last one to do a background check with it. And, you know, that's fine, but I don't, I don't believe in the necessity for it to actually have a background check done. I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. So what about assault weapon bans? I don't even understand them. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. So, so what is an assault weapon then? I don't know, man. It's whatever an AR-15 is. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say that's an assault rifle. Well, in Washington State now, um, because that new bill they passed, the Ruger 1022 is now considered an assault rifle. Yeah, man. You can really, uh, really rapid-fire bunny kill. <laughs> So let's see. What, what what else is another uh, popular gun control term they like to throw around these days? Um, magazine mag- limits. Yes, magazine bans. Yeah. How do you feel about the ten round arbitrary magazine limitation? There, it's just unenforceable. You you can make it. You can make magazines, especially AR fifteen magazines, or the schematics for them are widely available. Very easy to make, and you know, thing about it is that there are plenty of lethal guns out there that are you know that don't rely on box magazines or even in terms hallway and you can do enough damage if that's your goal yes like when there's mass shootings committed with revolvers or 12 gauge pump action shotguns you don't really hear much from the gun control crowd so one thing i've never understood about the magazine limitation especially at 10 is what what if you don't shoot 556 what if your ar is chambered in 458 socom does that now mean you have a 5 round magazine because it uses the same 556 magazines yeah i mean that's I, I know canada deals with that that's i had i got canadian friends and they talk about that and the the rcmp is all like oh just uh, don't do it key <laughs> or if they catch you with it loaded with you know full mags and they're then they're pissed so how how do you feel about the nfa NFA is garbage. It's just made up in, in all post post prohibition, post uh, you know gang crime era stuff that is just thrown in there because it was popular at the time. You know they say that the record of why the suppressor was added to the NFA is kind of lost to history. Nobody's really sure, but I don't really believe that's much of an issue in the United States as much anymore, or at least it's not really reported on at all. So, how do you feel about the Hughes Amendment? Oh, remind me, that's uh, that's that uh, the, full auto, right? Yes, the full auto the registry. Full, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that'd be the hardest one to get around for the average person to get them on top of is the is the machine gun thing. But I mean, I just I believe all gun laws are infringements and for its own specific reason. But the the machine gun man is is just kind of hilarious to me in that well, I shouldn't say it's hilarious. That's not the word I wanted to use. 
Um, I'd say the machine gun ban is probably the easiest one to to hold up on the left for their for what they say. Well, yes, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean now it's, they're already pretty smart. hard to argue against that. They, they're, they're trying to ban semi-automatic rifles by calling them assault weapons. Now they're actually starting to call them machine guns. I've seen a couple articles flat out just calling AR-15s machine guns. Yeah. So that is an easy way to turn off the average person to gun rights by conflating normal, everyday rifles that have been around for well over 100 years as machine guns. So they, you, you do have a point there. So I wanted to ask you about the subreddit 2A Liberals and uh, Liberal Gun Owners and how you came to find 2A Liberals and what you think about the sub overall in comparison to its predecessor. I... I don't understand liberal gun owners by its namesake. It just seems like a lot of people who have an interest in the second very low on their priorities list and that they're willing to prioritize things like healthcare before individual liberties, which for someone who doesn't share a similar mindset to me, I can probably understand why they would feel that way, but just how I feel about the importance and hierarchy of rights, it doesn't add up to me. Well, it, it appears that these people want to live in a prison so long as the residents are well cared for in this prison. They don't really care for individual rights. Yeah, as an economics prof- professor once or as an economics professor once told me, that type of idea is living in the state of shared misery. <laughs> I do enjoy that. <laughs> So, what do you think about the two A liberal subreddit, and how did you how did you even come across it? I was very confused by it at first. I thought it was actually more left wing because you were always posting articles titled in such a way that was like how guns are so bad and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I get it. When I once I was around long enough, yeah, that that is something people are confused by. Is we we want to get as much information that is being said about our rights out as as mu- as much as possible. And I leave it in an unaltered state when I personally make my posts because I want people to to be aware, to be apprised of what is being said so that we can counteract their talking points because they're spewing out new talking points every single day. It's kind of hard to keep up with them. Yeah, it's part of the strategy. So what do you think is the anti-gun strategy right now? 2A for people that 2A doesn't matter for. Guns will always just be a, a political goalpost. It'll always be something that can be used to argue back and forth and used to gain up career points for a politician. It's just a bargaining chip used for the betterment of people. And if it, you know, if something doesn't matter to you, then it's fine to just give it away or use it to further your career. Which, which I understand. I, I, I can see that in the type of person who takes advantage of others for their own self-being to progress themselves. But I have a particular distaste for the voters, for the people who support these people. What is your opinion on these people? Why? What is their mentality, you think? Fear. I mean, it's just a different type of fear that you or I may have about the any possible likelihood that we may one day need to use guns to defend ourselves and facing that reality in this same vein and that people that want guns banned wholesale, you know, they, they just don't want that type of thing in their life at all. You know, for some people, they just 
don't want the concept of a lethal weapon present in society. They want to feel like we've transcended beyond that necessity. And I, I think we we both have access to the news. We see what's going around in, in, in the world, going on around the world. And we know that violence has not disappeared and is not going anywhere anytime soon. So these people are just burying their heads in the sand and hoping for the best. But they're actually, which, which in and of itself, if that's what they want to do, then that's their life, their their right and their life. They can do that. But they're dragging our heads down into the sand too. And I think that is what we have a problem with. You think I'm right on that assessment? Yeah. I do. I mean, I don't think that any given politician really has the same convictions that they speak about. I don't think that someone like Dianne Feinstein really wants to ban all guns so much as she wants to just use it to further her career as much as possible. I I think a couple of them might be out there because there's nothing worse for a politician than an educated, well-taken-care-of, well-armed population that is vigilant and watching everything they do. Yeah, it gives them more power. There's definitely, I mean, that's, it's something I've encountered on the small scale very commonly. It's, it's to bring up the whole gay thing. And I don't want to really throw gay people into the bus as a whole, but given how gays are treated in society, it tends to leave people with a lot of personality disorders like uh, psychosis and antisocial tendencies. Obviously not all of them, but I know quite a few that were abused because of their sexuality or became, you know, who they are because of trauma in their life or significantly affected their sexuality. And it you know, really messed them up. And it's it's the thing where, you know, people, when you basically when you give psychopaths power, they will just run with it to no end. And I guarantee you there's a much higher percentage of psychopaths and sociopaths in the government than the general populace. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I think it's pretty apparent. Yeah. I'm, I I can spot those people pretty well when I get around them just because I feel, I'm unfortunately feel like I'm exposed to it a lot where people, well, you know, in the gay community, we call them users. Uh, you know, they I've just, they just use people, you know, they'll, they just hook up with people and they don't care about, their status of HIV or they don't care about what situation they're getting other people into. They're just there for their own self gratification. And I think the same thing happened in politics a hell of a lot. Oh, absolutely. Also probably with uh, CEOs and, and people in posi- other positions of power outside of the public venue. Yeah. So I, I've actually often insisted that the second amendment does not only apply to government tyranny, but it also applies to tyranny brought about by other means such as corporate powers. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, this is where I typically shove off from the whole uh, anarcho-capitalist stuff is that I'm somebody who just generally believes in the oppression of the hierarchies where if you have a monopoly, eventually a monopoly will gain such power that it starts to become its own governmental entity. You know, Google, for example, maintains a strict monopoly on mapping services to the world. About 70% of the world's population who use internet maps use Google Maps, for example. And on more than one occasion, Google has been responsible for international border disputes. And on two occasions, I can think of deciding borders that were recently created. It's 
it's that kind of thing that, you know, they have such incredible power that it, one of the avenues for dealing with it very likely is citizens standing up to it. Well, you, you know, you and I, I think we, we in, in this subreddit, we have libertarians, we have anarcho-capitalist people hanging out. And they often whisper in our ears, trying to convert us to the dark side, as it were. <laughs> and uh, I think we're on the same page that we realize in a power vacuum, somebody's going to eventually become the government. And your your example with Google is a perfect one. If If the United States government disappeared today, and the only powerful infrastructure left intact was that put about by Google, you don't think they would become the de facto government? Of course they would. Oh, I, I completely agree that Google would definitely step up to the plate to become its own corporate government. So they have the infrastructure exactly. to support it already in, exactly. in a limited form. Exactly. So Google that, Maps is like such an empower such a powerful tool that I entirely believe that they'd be able to restore order better than most other companies. So with with that said are there any last thoughts you want to add to this or anything you want to expound upon? Any myths you want to shatter? Anything you want to add in general? Well, you know, next time uh, you have me on, if you want to talk about, if you ever do, uh, I had a rousing discussion with a friend of mine the other day about uh, cultural issues in the gun community. Things about uh, the stuff that people in the gun community do to worsen our cause. So if you're ever interested in talking about that kind of stuff, I'd love to be back on for that. I actually do have a show planned about that exact topic, and I will have you back. Oh, fantastic. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome, man. Appreciate it. This is your host, Brad. Unfortunately, we don't have any advertisers at the moment. Thankfully, Patreon has us covered. As most people are aware, social media entities across the internet are clamping down on the ability for gun-related content producers to fund their projects. Your support on Patreon gives those of us here at the Second Amendment Liberal Podcast the ability to keep the lights on. As this project grows, expect interviews with interesting and notable people in the gun world, reviews of cool gun-related products, and travel to locations around the country to get the scoop on stories that otherwise would be out of reach. I have big things planned for the future of this podcast, folks. For $3 a month, you can pledge your support on Patreon. As things develop and take off around here, there will be all sorts of tears and perks. If you find yourself unable to support us monetarily, hey, that's cool. I understand. I know money is tight for many people right now, and I just appreciate you listening. Go to patreon.com slash 2A Liberal Podcast. The number 2, the letter A, Liberal Podcast podcast and become a patron today thank you very much for listening thanks everyone for listening i appreciate it and thanks everyone for supporting me on patreon or any way you can make sure everyone calls their representatives both on the federal and state level we need everyone in this fight together thanks again everyone